Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Casual Politics. Uh, we haven't done one in a while. Uh, my name's Anish. I'm Omar. And I'm Boston. So today we're going to be talking about the um, eventual um, cabinet of President-elect Joe Biden. Neat. I'll go ahead and um, start us off here. So one of the uh, more controversial ones that we've been discussing a little bit today Pete Buttigieg for transport. Oh, ha. Huh. <laughs> All right. I'll just I'll let, let kick this one I'll off. Let take, I'll let Anish take the first word on this <laughs> okay. one. Go, I'm my just friend. I'm going to read off exactly what I posted on my Instagram story about this, actually, because I think that sums it up so well. Okay. I'm seeing the things I've archived, and this is just interesting to me. Sorry. Um, okay. Okay. Trading positions of power to repay unqualified white men for political favors is literally how Trump picked his cabinet, but okay. Um, so this is basically just an example of establishment solidarity to create or pipelines for political power, and it is quintessential of corruption. Careerism in the private sector is already the product of capitalist propaganda used to incentivize work. But when it comes to public servants, their first and only interest should be in the interest of the public. Padding the resumes of future presidential hopefuls like Pete Buttigieg is not in the public interest. And it's how a handful of people at the highest levels of power have chosen the last few presidential nominees. And the last time we had a nominee or president who overcame the establishment preference was 2008. And he ended up becoming the one handpicking future nominees. But back to Pete. White men can fail upwards, but a woman of Pete Buttigieg's experience wouldn't be treated like a viable candidate for Senate or governor, let alone a candidate for president. And soon, a Senate-confirmed member of the presidential line of succession with a Secret Service detail and a higher constitutional titer, title than the more competent and qualified candidates he ran against in the presidential race, including Senators Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, and Kirsten Gillibrand. Expanding on that a little bit, let's just take the fact that Pete Buttigieg, his greatest qualification is that the fact that he was a mayor of a city with 120,000 people. So the thing is, yes, mayors are very qualified for positions of power, and it is a hard job, and they do a lot of things, and they serve their community, which is great. But Pete Buttigieg has no experience in transportation. More importantly than that, this is an example of privileged white men thinking they deserve everything. He won the not even the popular vote, but the delegate count in one state in the presidential primary. And it's essentially only being offered a position at all because he decided to drop out, screw over a more popular candidate, Bernie Sanders, and endorse Biden so that he would get something in return. And in this case specifically, he was offered um, Office of Management and Budget, which yes, consulting sucks and fuck McKinsey, but I guess like if, if your whole job was managing budgets and helping people save money or whatever the fuck, it seems like that position is where you're set to be, like a managerial position where you're in charge of a budget, right? I don't understand, first of all, what he would be doing as ambassador to China just because he speaks multiple languages, none of which are Mandarin. I don't know what he would be doing as ambassador to the UN, which he was also talked about for with the exception of having New York in his Twitter like location so that he could run for New York Senate one day and lose because he's a fucking neolib. 
And I have no idea why he, like, if he was going to be offered a cabinet position, I don't know why it wasn't Veterans Affairs because he's an actual fucking veteran. And if he's going to get repaid for this political favor, maybe that's somewhere where he's suited to fit. But instead, he's offered Secretary of Transportation because somehow when he was mayor of South Bend, Indiana with its, I don't know, I like, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's 60 vehicles and 10 bus stops, that translates to redoing the entire American public transportation infrastructure for the 21st century to accommodate for the challenges of climate change and and fixing a transit system that it oh shit sorry an alarm went off um I lost my momentum so I don't I don't remember what I was going to say but you guys can take over from here okay so I think Anish just like summed up everything if this podcast episode doesn't get um viral because of that I don't know what But just to add on Anisha's points, some of the people that um, I guess got passed up by Pete for his his for this job is um, David Kim, Sarah Feinberg, John Pakari, and all of these people served either at the state level or at the actual um, federal level on some transportation like job. So like John Picari literally served as the United States Deputy Secretary of Transportation. Um, Sarah Feinberg is the interim president of the New York City Transit Authority, literally the biggest city in our damn country. And she got passed up by a Midwestern mayor. Um, and then David Kim runs the secretary or is the secretary of the California State Transportation Agency. So literally, I don't understand how their qualifications or their past experience got passed up by a mayor. Um, adding on to Anish, yes, that 60 bus thing is true. And that bus thing <laughs> is run by the county, not even by the city. When it comes to airports, South Bend does have an airport, but that is run not by the city as well. So therefore, I don't know how he has experience on this. And it's just crazy looking back at Pete's history, um, running for oh, running for stuff. Um, he ran for the Indiana State Treasury, lost, right? <laughs> lost by a lot, like double digit margins, okay? Then he runs for mayor, he gets that, you know, okay. He runs twice, that's pretty democratic city, so he gets that, right? And then he runs for a higher office, DNC chairmanship, loses that, loses that. Okay, and then he thinks he could run for the president, <laughs> loses that, and then he somehow ends up getting a cabinet position. So I don't know how he, what is that thing, Anish? He loses and he keeps rising up. That oh, is he, crazy. he's failing upwards. He's failing upwards. That's Only white like, men can do that. Literally, if I if I if I lost a congressional run or something, I would not think of running for U.S. Senate or running for president, anything like that. And that includes like Beto and um, John. Well, John face. Up, like we're gonna have some hope for him, but like yeah, we'll have hope. We'll have hope for him on January fifth. <laughs> I guess it's just um, Beto and um, and Kennedy, because uh, Kennedy like his thing wasn't that he lost one race and then ran for higher office. He was oh, yeah, he titled and privileged oh, yeah, and like, that is true. That's and true. wanted like, you know, the family seat with daddy's money. He literally tried to pay for that seat with daddy's money. I know that that's not the point of this podcast, but and an FEC filing of a super PAC came out after the election that showed that a $2 million donation to his campaign came solely 
from the congressional um, campaign like bank account of his dad. He tried to buy his great uncle, like the family Senate seat with daddy's money. That's fucking crazy. What? That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, dude, that's insane. Actually, what the I heck? am irate because I worked on Ed Markey's campaign. Just a disclaimer. I'm glad Ed Markey won, though. Eventually, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Pete. No, like homie, homie, basically just got fed like the golden plate, you know, by Biden. Yeah, and not and a I good guess, luck. Yeah, I guess you know the reason is he does a a Biden does see. Um, I remember a quote like when when Pete dropped out, right? Um. Biden said that he resembles his son Bo in many ways. So, and that is like the highest honor that quote Biden said could give he could give to anybody. So, I guess there's that. Um, and then the, there's also the fact that he is the first. Um, he will, if confirmed, he will mm. be the first LGBT um, cabinet secretary. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's there's true. also that. That's so I guess the history making. Yeah, that is it does also make interesting. History, but it's still. I don't know. Just qualification wise, uh, that wasn't the right pick. He's not it. Even yeah. Eric Garcetti, the mayor of LA, who I don't entirely support either, but he would have been a better choice. Again, he, we talked about this earlier. He was a chair of um, Biden's presidential campaign, as well as he's re- like right now, he's working to redo LA's entire infrastructure and public transportation system to have a mass public transportation system for the 2028 Olympics. That type of experience, well, I guess it would have made more sense if he actually accomplished that already, like he'd be the perfect candidate. But the fact that he does have experience in that field would have made him a really good choice for the job. But it just feels like just a way of giving a placeholder position of power to someone else to preserve his political future so he's not just forever known as the guy that was mayor of a random city in Indiana. Yeah, not, not a, honestly, yeah, Eric Garcetti or even like, um, as Boston said, David Kim, who was like the California transport, whatever. That's not, um, I looked it up, that's not the same one that like ran for uh, CA something. He ran for- 34, I think it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a different, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's not the same. Different. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I suppose it's just a common last name. We're both from LA. <laughs> Fun fact. Oh, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, let's shift gears. This is this one was an interesting one. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about this, but agriculture, Tom Vilsack. So this guy was, he was Obama's ag secretary, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Or he like worked in the Obama secretary. I think he was Basically, Obama's ag secretary. He was Obama's. Yeah, yeah. The same yeah. way Vivek yeah. Murthy was Obama's Surgeon General. Dude, yeah, you so, gotta, so that's come on. <laughs> <laughs> dude, Biden, dude, Biden is just Obama's third term. AOC actually had a really good quote. She said something along the lines of like, the thing is Biden's people are from the Obama administration and the Obama people were just former Clinton people, like from the Bill Clinton days. So that's how you it's end up having- Establishment like rope chain almost. It's not like it would be one thing if it was a chain, but this is literally the same individuals, not just okay. the same ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, like, this is interesting because I saw, I read a Politico article this morning and the title was um, Biden's cabinet and then like colon, Obama's third term, try Hillary's first because a lot of these people were who Hillary, if she went one in 2016, would have been basically... Um, 
her picks, right? So um, it's and so we'll weird get into, the way we'll the get into... establishment tries to just protect their own, yeah. you know, and like keep yeah. the same. Nira Tandon, for example, who yeah, we'll talk about later. Well, Actually, yeah, okay, we can get into her next. Okay. <laughs> no, wait, wait. I want to. I want to finish up this ag secretary though. So the problems with him, they're saying like he won't give a shit about black farmers, which he probably won't because he's a white guy from Iowa. He used to be the former governor, which makes sense. I I feel it. Oh, um, dude, that's a Veep storyline. The former governor of Iowa becoming secretary of agriculture. Whatever. Oh, shit. No way. Yeah, that's literally what happens in the seventh season. Wait, that's wack. Okay. But yeah, so uh, Tom Vilsack, I mean, he's just your old average Wait, but guy. also there's a storyline in Veep in the seventh season about how nobody in like that part of the country, like the, you know, Midwest or like closer to the East, um, uh, no one gets vaccinated and there's an anti-vax candidate who goes around the country doing rallies getting people sick across the rallies because no one's vaccinated causes... <laughs> wait doesn't that sound like someone <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude that was literally a storyline in an episode from 2019 <laughs> you've got to be fucking kidding me dude. So it's just like the, you know like the how the simpsons like predicted like that monolith or whatever yeah yeah and then she showed up in utah or whatever mm-hmm. Simpsons predicted fucking everything. Okay, but back Dude, to the- I know. They predicted Trump's election, bro. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. That one was the biggest one, yeah. I think. But, like, with on the note of Vilsack, I think one thing is that lots of people were, and I, this is going to lead into a conversation about another um, cabinet secretary nomination, but a lot of people wanted uh, Congresswoman Marsha Fudge to be nominated for Secretary of Agriculture, but she was turned down for someone who had already held the job. Yeah, cause so so the thing with Vilsack was, that I remember when Obama was running in 2008, right? And basically- You remember when Obama was running in 2008? Bro, I was watching Clifford read. <laughs> 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 well, no, 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 of course. I, I was just like reading up on it. But like, apparently, so the, the thing he sort of like ran on in Iowa and stuff, right? Is that he's like trying to take down these like big agricultural businesses, right? Because like, obviously like, you know, like, you know, big corporations are a problem everywhere, but especially in like agriculture and like rural areas where there's not a lot of like economic like development and such, like mm-hmm. they're especially prone to, you know, to corporate consolidation and, you know, market takeover. Sure. And stuff. So Obama's basically, his thing was, I'm going to break up all the big agricultural companies. And he did not do that. And so that's why Iowa like didn't vote for oh. him again. Oh, fuck that guy. Then. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually, he probably made it, e- I think he made it easier for them to consolidate because, you know, with the whole bailout in 2008 and such, geez. there was like a, there's probably something for the ad companies. I could just be, um, what do you call it, devising, but I, I, I think it's a decent possibility, you know. God, I'm so, fr- you know, my parents, like, they won't let me talk about, like, Pete anymore. And they're like, we can talk about anything else. And, like, the second I'm just like, hey, like, what are you doing right now? Are you busy? And he's like, no, yeah, we can talk. And I'm just like, Okay, literally with Pete, and they'll be like, no, 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 no. enough talking about Pete. Like, stop. Yeah, because literally all I do is just complain about how, how fucking privileged little white boy. <laughs> we can, yeah, so agriculture, essentially, Tom Vilsack is just an old white guy from the Obama administration. Probably not going to do much for um, like the big agro companies. I don't have much hope for him because, I mean, okay. he was the one who could have done stuff with Obama and he didn't, and that's why Obama lost in the Midwest. And then I guess the other notable thing for agriculture is that Marsha Fudge was like passed up for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, was yeah. given HUD. Yeah. So what's the what's the next position you guys want to do? Um, do you want to just talk about HUD? I mean, we're already yeah, there. HUD. There's not much yeah. to talk about though. Yeah, I mean, 
I guess HUD is the the, the least like. <laughs> I will say, but that but it's it's is... really it's really an important like department. Like I read I read Julian Castro's autobiography, and you know a lot of it deals with with broadband. Wireless broadband is like an important mm -hmm. fact. Like that Julian Castro tried to do, especially in like. Um, marginalized communities and majority minority communities as well as like rural communities too who don't have that access to broadband which basically affects your development as a kid if you don't have access to broadband compared to people in cities so it is a really important department it's just interesting that Ben Carson got it after Julian Castro did where he has no experience yeah yeah but um, you know, I think, <laughs> Governor, I think Governor Andrew Cuomo was also Secretary of Housing and Urban Development for Bill Clinton mm. in the 90s. I don't know if that was before or after he was Attorney General of New York, but I'm going to assume after. And then he chose to run for governor. I don't know. But um, yeah, so there's been some interesting HUD secretaries. Marsha, I will say, a very qualified. Yeah, you're going to say. I will say, though, because there's been lots of, with, you know, with Ben Carson and with HUD, there's been a lot of like issues with civil rights and stuff. Like a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that you just hear about in the news um, with, you know, like civil rights, you know, like people can't get, you know, their renters, whatever, like discrimination, you know. Yeah, HUD has a lot to do, I guess, with like civil. Civil like, rights. Like yeah, civil absolutely. Because you think about redlining from the from the 20th mm -hmm. century oh, yeah, and its definitely. impact on housing today. That's entirely a civil rights issue. So, yeah. And so I think, you know, Mark or, you know, Fudge, like positioning herself sort of as a civil rights advocate, I think she could be pretty strong in that position. Yeah. Even though yeah, she could be even though, even though she was doled a shitty hand, I'm not gonna lie. Um like I think she could definitely make something out of it. I'm hopeful for that. Yeah, I do that's, that's true. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, continue. <laughs> oh um he... okay yeah yeah oh oh she's Did... she's also from I guess this is also kind of important. She is from a safe democratic district. Um, Ooh, yes, let's talk about so, that. So, yeah. yeah, so I guess even though it does slim the democratic majority, which got beat up in November, um, it is a safe democratic thing. Her nomination for um, Secretary of, uh, of um, Housing and Urban Development essentially opened her seat up in Ohio for oh, yeah, one mm. Senator Nina Turner who was a co-chair of um, Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign in 2020, and I don't know about 2016. Um, but she, uh, I believe, I could be wrong, essentially had the highest uh, first day fundraising after announcing running for any House candidate in American history. I oh, think wow. it was like oh, wow. plus thousand nice. dollars. Um, because she has huge support from progressives, leftists, oh, yeah. socialists, all around the country. And mm. since it is a safe blue seat, I think she's gonna be um, the next member of Congress from that seat. And That's he's gonna awesome. join the progressive, the squad in Congress with Cori Bush, AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and now Mondre Jones, Jamal Bauman, you know? So yeah, okay. worth noting, I think. Yeah. Um, the yeah. progressive, so it's, what's interesting is, and this is just worth noting since we're talking about that seat. Um, as the uh, people t typically talk about the blue dog Democrats, I think, or the blue, whatever it's called. Yeah, blue uh, dog. Who yeah. Were, yeah, it's blue dog. Who made up essentially a faction of Democrats who, whenever the Democrats had slim majorities, were kind of conservative. So they could push Democrats to the right uh, on certain issues. Now, 
progressives are going to make up, let's say, let's say the squad is for um, plus Rokana, Pramila Jayapal, and um, and now Jamal Bauman, Corey Bush, and uh, and fucking um, uh, Mondaire Jones, who I love, and uh, so and maybe more. and maybe Nina Turner, right? Let's just say that's already ten. Honestly, right? even at that point, throw in Katie Porter. Uh, Porter, Marino. Uh, Mm, maybe sure okay Marie Newman uh, come on Marie Newman okay maybe Marie oh, Marie Newman. Newman. yeah okay. Nikima, Nikima yeah. Williams yeah yeah okay so in Georgia right yeah so yeah. oh is she John Lewis this seat mm-hmm. yeah, yeah okay yeah. so that's like that's like 12 members Democrats are gonna have like a nine seat majority the new like controlling faction of the Democrats is gonna be the progressives and I just think that's, that's, cool. that's, that's, that's worth noting and in a time when House Democrats are almost out of leadership and Senate Democratic leadership, specifically Chuck Schumer, looks like he's pushing a lot to the left. This could yeah. be a good, it could be a good Congress for progressives, but maybe that also depends on what the fuck happens to Georgia's Senate races in January. Moving on. Definitely. That's true. Okay. I do, I, it's crazy how that might determine everything, you know? Or like the Biden's, next Biden's politics, like as, besides what, but yeah, literally Biden's entire presidency could be determined by how much people like John Asa, you know? I think Raphael Warnock has another chance to win, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I think so, too. I feel like Kelly Loeffler is just really unpopular. Yeah, she, yeah. yeah. And she yeah. never won the seat to begin with. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. That's true. That's how Martha McSally lost her. Yep. We will, uh, ooh, Martha McSally. Dude, she better run for governor so Democrats can get all three from her. <laughs> 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 Dude. honestly i think that's it. well no doug Ducey isn't term limited he'll run again it's okay. the, like i just think it's so funny that martha mcsally has single-handedly done more for the democratic majority than anybody any democratic candidate she did work she gave us two seats she, t- she has turned arizona blue for us she did that's fucking crazy well, for the record, McSally and uh, Mark Kelly do not seem to. <laughs> sometimes they're the only uh, they're the only Democrats that um, uh, side with Republicans. But uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do? One of those things. You know, wait, really? That's kind of surprising. That's yeah, they break the Democrats on a couple yeah. of. Votes, I think on like yeah. federal judges or something like that. Yeah, cinema. Yeah. Oof. Okay, so like I'm assuming like Joe Manchin goes with them then as well. Because no I, one is. I, I've seen a couple of votes where they were the single to like Democratic. Oh, shit. But oh yeah, what the hell, bro? Them and Joe Manchin fit in a similar category of like, and it just sucks because I like, whatever. Okay, moving on. Come on, Arizona. You can do better than that. All right, we'll, we'll give Arizona time, I suppose. They're just, yeah. you know, they're just turning the world blue. We'll mm-hmm. give them time until they become solid blue and we can, you know. Okay. Um. Next cabinet. Defense, retired General Lloyd Austin. Okay, I heard a lot about that guy, this guy. People don't like him, but I don't know why. Um, I just heard the problem with him, like, not having enough years out of the military. That's why some Democrats are going to vote against okay. him. Warren is voting like, against him, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, um, what's his – I forgot his name. Like, um, Tester. Because um, who was who was who was um Trump's Secretary of Defense? It was oh Secretary of Defense. I don't know. Uh, Mattis. I think it was him. I don't know. One of Trump's people's didn't is like in the same dilemma as <laughs> Biden's nominee. 
and they had to get a special waiver from both House and Senate um, for him to assume whatever cabinet position he was because he didn't have enough years after um, retiring. Oh right? yeah, I guess there's yeah. some there's some rule. There's some there's rule a law. On, wow, yeah, I'm there's a law. law. Yeah, yeah. So some Democrats yeah. voted no on that waiver for Trump's nominee. So to follow precedent, they're going to vote no on Biden's nominee. Yeah, both chambers in Congress will need to pass a waiver exempting Austin from the law mandating that a defense secretary must be retired from active service for at least seven years before assuming the top civilian role unless Congress grants a waiver. Austin retired in 2016. That's from The Hill. Yeah. yeah. So there's some trouble there. But he is it true he will be the first Black Secretary of Defense? Yeah. That is what I heard, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oof. So, oh, wait, that's interesting then. So mm -hmm. assuming he doesn't get, do you even think he'll get this waiver then? Do you think, okay, do we think, do we think that Republicans will vote for this guy? I think so. I think so many of the, like, okay, there's some that'll just pass, you know, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I think Janet, yeah, well, okay, we'll talk about them later. But like, I, I do think that like, he'll probably get the waiver because he's not like a political pick. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I feel that, yeah. It's different if it was, say, um, like near Janet, we'll, we'll talk about later. Or um, I guess Pete Buttigieg isn't a, like maybe he's not qualified and maybe he is like I, I I do think there will be doubt over his because he's a he's he's not a political appointee but like he's political you know he ran against mm -hmm. Trump essentially for president like he has made political I think I honestly I honestly think so like I feel like he'll just get it like Republicans will be fine with him I feel like you know? most of them will which I, yeah like yeah because, because, I mean, even McConnell has been like, you know, yeah, we're going to give Joe Biden a cabinet. You know, we're not going to be completely yeah, like that. Elaine Chow got transportation, I think, like 98 to 2 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And that's Mr. McConnell's wife. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's not nepotism, then I don't know what is. But yeah, well, so no, no, he's probably going to. No, no, no. Uh, Elaine Chow, maybe she's not a good person, but like she, that's not nepotism. She was, I think, deputy, deputy secretary of labor under like Reagan or something. And that's like one she oh, really? or something like that. Yeah. And then she was okay, secretary okay. of transportation just... for Bush and then, or labor for Bush and then transportation for uh, Trump or something like that. Yeah. I just thought it was really odd that Ms. McConnell's wife would be in the cabinet position. It, like, I don't know. like it's just like there was it's like odd. a lot of shit about how like she diverted funds to Kentucky or things like that from the um, Department of Transportation, considering that he was also running for re-election last year. Or this, mm. You know, so there was some fucked up, like, yeah, I guess there was some deals. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess um, a lot of the, oh, and he also didn't vote on her nomination. Um, oh, I guess it's just, at, like, procedurally, like, um, he abstained from that vote. Uh, the same way, like Jeff Sessions um, abstained from his vote. I guess it's just courtesy that, like, you don't like participate in your own thing. in your own yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Valid. 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 Um, let's go to the next cabinet. Uh, energy. Jennifer Granholm. This one's interesting because, I mean, I can sort of see <laughs> how she's qualified. You know, I mean, okay, this is what I'll give her. You know, she oversaw the whole like. So Michigan's um, like renewable energy targets, I believe I read that she was the one that like helped to start that up. And she like definitely made innovation with energy. But again, I feel like there was a better pick. She, uh, or a more qualified pick, I suppose. 
Oh, really? Well, I, I don't know much about her. What's interesting is I saw this video on Twitter. It was her at a DNC speech and the camera cut into the audience to show Rashida Tlaib like, like praising uh, Jennifer Granholm like a lot and was like cheering for her and everything. So it was just like, that was interesting. I don't know if like, but seems like she allows when Burgos was born, I don't know. Um, again, I don't know much about her, so I don't know like what her, but I've heard that like, um, like generally that she's a good, I don't know. What do you guys? Yeah, so she was definitely more of a moderate is what I've heard. Um, and fun a, fact, fun fact, her husband teaches at Cal and actually she taught at Cal. So, um, but yeah, Jennifer Graham, um, for, or she was the first female governor in Michigan. So let's talk cool. about like what what's her energy plan or whatever. Um. Okay. 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 One thing I will say is that so obviously you know in Michigan that's where like the auto industry is right like GM, um, you know all those like car companies and stuff and so you know Biden's whole sort of like energy policy is very, it's very intertwined with his labor policy in the sense that like he wants climate change jobs to be you know unionized right. Yeah. What I'm interested um, to see is the way that HUD energy um labor and I guess John Kerry's office in the White House as climate envoy are all gonna intersect in addressing the climate crisis um, while creating jobs and fixing uh, public infrastructure and transportation, you know? Like, oh, oh wow, there's gonna be a lot of intersection in all of those, and even interior, look, dude. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I guess climate uh, environment um, and their ability to create jobs and fix American infrastructure and transportation is gonna, intertwine so many cabinet departments that we're talking about right now i honestly feel like that might just be the theme of biden's presidency you know obviously he's not like the the most liberal candidate on climate change right he said you know he wouldn't ban fracking but this might just be his issue that defines his presidency if he's able to market it effectively if he's able to get something done yeah okay and that's like a good transition to deb holland but we might as well finish talking about uh, jennifer granholm um uh, I think she um, she has sought to position herself as someone who can help America transition to clean energy. So that is a good thing. Um, and uh, hopefully help us reach a zero carbon future. And um, yeah. If confirmed, Granholm, who defeated Trump Education Secretary Betsy DeVos's husband to win her second term as governor, would be only the second woman to lead the department since its creation in 1977, wow. and the first female governor of, um, of Michigan. Wow, that's so interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Speaking of which, actually, has Biden nominated anyone for education? No. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. That's going to be an interesting one because obviously think... Dr. Jill Biden, because Dr. Jill Biden obviously is a teacher, right? And so, um, I don't the... know. It's just uh -huh. going to, um, right? Is he a teacher? He's a lawyer, but I don't... didn't they say? Oh, Emhoff. Oh, yeah. He's he said he's getting um, he's getting a teaching job at Georgetown or George yeah, Washington. A... Okay. For law. For yeah. law. Yeah. The law yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's. No, but Dr. Joe Biden, she teaches at like community college from what I heard, and she's going to keep her oh, job yeah. in the White House. Yeah. So oh, I, yeah. I think that's just, that's just going to be interesting um, to see who he picks for education, considering uh -huh. that, you know. Yeah. His, if his Elizabeth wife. Warren had never run for United States Senate, and if in that timeline she also did not become CFPB head 
and she did not become considered for Secretary of Treasury, that would be a cool job for her. Secretary of Education. Very true. Public school teacher. She was a college professor. She was the top um, bankruptcy law professor in the country, right? So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, okay. So moving on. From... We can do HHS next. So our very oh. own. So yeah, yeah. HHS is kind of interesting. So let's talk about Javier Becerra, actually. So right now, who's our current um, our current Secretary of Health and Human Services is Alex Azar, who I believe is a pharma lobbyist, which is crazy. And we're getting a big change there, I suppose, with Javier Becerra, who's currently um, California's Attorney General, uh, who actually succeeded Kamala Harris for that position. Um, and was before that, I believe, the House Democratic Caucus Chair under Nancy Pelosi as uh, minority leader or speaker. Um, and uh, so he is especially um, prominent for this role um, because he, or I guess interesting for this role, because he has openly supported uh, Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All legislation, which is very exciting because the biggest hope that I think a lot of progressives have, including myself, is that even if Biden is not going to support Medicare for all and neither is like the current Senator House, at least he can help fund states that want to implement statewide universal health care plans. That's a very interesting point because, um, wow, I actually never thought of it like that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Um, again, like we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but you know, California being the, the you know laboratory, a, a laboratory of democracy, I think that would be you know something California could do. Oh shit! Speaking of like, uh, David Kim, I just went on a on a on Javier Becerra's uh, Wikipedia page. He's succeeded mm -hmm. by Jimmy Gomez, which means that's the district that David Kim ran for. Interesting. Thirty-four. Oh yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, moving on. Cool stuff. Um, but also one more thing is because he's attorney general, like I definitely think that he's going to crack down on, or at least I hope he does like crack down on like big pharma and stuff. Because oh, yeah. again, that like civil rights, you know, like, like dude, they, like they, this guy, uh, opioid ep epidemic as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you heard about McKesson, like giving kickbacks or whatever. And oh, yeah. I really hope, I really hope he goes after him. Goes like after McKesson him. and Purdue better get fucked. You know? Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Good mm -hmm. that he has that dual experience of, or not experience, but experience as attorney general. And then his support for universal healthcare is going to be. That's a, that's a cool combination. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. And I mean, he's, uh, that his uh, candidates or his nomination and eventual probable confirmation is also going to lead to another open seat in California. Which well, this one, this one, um, this one, like I know Ted Cruz and some other like more conservative have like already drawn criticism like for this nomination because of his, you know, obviously his support for Medicare for all and um, yeah. for liberal policies. But like, I honestly think that like something like someone like him like I could see maybe like Lisa Murkowski or Susan Collins. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. He's not a super political pick, although he was a prominent like House Democrat. Like this isn't like but he was low key. He was pretty low key yeah. in his time, you know. Oh, okay. But mm -hmm. he didn't well, come I out guess... like guns a blazing. This seems yeah, like well... a very standard pick. It's not like a. Yeah. It's not a near attendant like uh, yeah. Betsy DeVos. I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess as his time, but as his time as Attorney General, you know, he led like 
like the, the state like, with the most lawsuits against the Trump administration. <laughs> dude, dude, bro, this, dude, this is, I remember, that guy is a like goat. <laughs> there was a, there was like, um, I think it was like on John Oliver or something. It was while Obama was president and Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. He wrote like a song or something about how he like woke up and like every day he just sued the Obama administration. It was funny. You guys should look at it after. It was, yeah, it just reminded me of that. I mean, Javier Becerra, he'd been like suing Trump like every single day on every single thing, which I mean is valid enough, but still. That's true. That's true. I also wonder how it is that he ended up um, as a, as the now like nominee for, um, or I guess secretary designate for um, health and human services when he led, as Kamala Harris always described it, the second largest mm -hmm. Department of Justice in the United States, on, like second only to the United States Department of Justice itself. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Again, HHS, I don't know. I Biden has qualified candidates for the other position too, Doug Jones, Merrick Garland, you know. I really wanted, okay, I get, we'll talk about attorney general speculation later, but I would have really wanted Keith Ellison for attorney general. Okay, continue. Keith Ellison would have made a good AG, that's for sure. Yeah. So I wonder, I, I do wonder how these picks happen because it's not that Biden picked a deputy secretary of health and human services or a former surgeon general or anything like that. This is just a random house Democrat AG. turned AG. So yeah. this, I don't know if this is like a political favor or or like a nod to progressive Democrats, like giving someone who has openly supported Medicare for all, but is not like Pramila Jayapal, you know, like a co-sponsor yeah, of itself. She would have been a good I, secretary. I honestly, I'm honestly inclined to say the latter. The, the first one, um, I don't know. He's just very low key, you know? Like he's like, no one, like, no, like before he was AG, no one knew him. He was, what do you mean no one knew him? He was a- I know, but like, no one knew him. Okay. <laughs> well, I think it's funny that he was a chair of the House Democratic Caucus, and then um, uh, he resigned from that to run for Attorney General. And then he was succeeded by Joe Crowley, who, uh, yeah, AOC. Who got unseated by AOC, yeah. Yeah, in a way, if he had never run for Attorney General, AOC might not be a member of Congress today. Why not be here? Yeah. Okay, uh, next one. Um, we can uh, we can go over this one really quickly. Um, but Treasury, Janet Yellen, I mean, that's a good pick. Um, yeah, she was chair the Fed. chair. And uh, yeah. she was, um, would she, is she going to be the first um, woman to? First woman, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, and uh, very well educated. And um, I'm trying to see. I don't we know. were hoping for Elizabeth Warren, but I think she's definitely too Elizabeth progressive. Elizabeth Warren would have been a very good Treasury Secretary. She would have. Not only is Biden not necessarily aligned with Elizabeth Warren, but I suppose also it would have been harder to get her confirmed. Confirmed, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I suppose sure. Janet Yellen is a good. Uh, She's a good. I mean, she's not bad, you know. Like yeah. uh, Warren, Warren praised, Warren praised that pick. So yeah, she's oh, okay. a labor market expert, um, and uh, uh, I guess this is someone that understands. Like, she was 
the chair of the Fed, so she understands the um, economy well. Did, when did she, when was she the Fed? She was the Fed chair, I think, from um, uh, 2014 to 2018, and she was vice chair of the Federal Reserve 2010 to 2014. Um, so, that time is recovery from the Great Recession. Um, so she is now going to be leading the American Treasury during recovery from the coronavirus pandemic, which is also pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. She's basically tasked with rebuilding the American economy. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see her approach to. Um, she also thinks that America is borrowing too much money, um, and liberals usually, you know, use that against her. Um, she has um, paid attention to inequality and labor market outcomes, which is uh, kind of interesting. Interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay, cool. And then this is, this is the last one I think we're gonna cover today just because this is like, these are sort of the ones we know. Um, but interior. Um, oh, so fuck yes. a good one. oh my this god, this was a good, good fucking pick. We were all happy pick. about like this. everyone, dude, Holy like shit. everyone was being like, bro, just choose her, just choose her. Like, everyone I, I wanted her. <laughs> Everybody from Nancy Pelosi to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez wanted. I am so fucking happy. I am elated. Dude, I, um, I am uh, fucking ecstatic. I remember, um, I remember, like, there was initially a little bit of like hesitation because they were going to put up Heidi Heitkamp from North Dakota or something. Oh my God. She yeah. <laughs> that would have oh. been a bad one, dude. Yeah. Um, Heidi Heitkamp. They were going to put up Steve Bullock, which isn't bad. Like, he's not bad, but nah, dude, Deb, ha Deb Holland is. This, we are talking about a federal state built on the land of indigenous people, and she is going to be the first indigenous person the in the person history of this country that position. Really the department that manages that land. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is a huge deal. Oh my God. Um, this is incredible. And um, yeah. yeah. And what about her seat though? Is her seat safe? Oh yeah, safe, easily yeah. safe. Democrats okay. like around Albuquerque. Yeah, but like, sure. did you guys did you guys happen to see that one like Twitter post by someone? But they were like, where you could like, um, you could gerrymander New Mexico so that there were all like plus ten districts or whatever. Plus ten yeah. what? Yeah. Um, like what's plus his ten face? Democratic. Ah. Wasserman does like... that a bunch of time for oh, Yeah, I feel like it, it, was, it probably was Dave. Fucking yeah, Dave. It was Dave. Um. <laughs> But no, yeah, so there's a map in New Mexico, like a gerrymander, where all the districts are plus 10. One of them currently is held by a Republican because it flips, remember? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it's just interesting to see if yeah. they will resist the temptation. Yeah, so Deb Holland is now the secretary designate. Yeah, so she's going to lead the department. And I think this is a big deal because as interior secretary, um, you know, she opposes fracking, I believe. So she can, she has the power to ban fracking on federal lands at least on federal land which is a huge deal. but i mean to be fair like federal land is like most of the western united states anyway definitely it's oh, like the entire yeah. midwest montana yeah. new mexico um, every state west of the california <laughs> all of Nev literally all of nevada is like federal land it's all of alaska and you know this has a huge implications for the indigenous people although this is not right. the same thing as you know just um, giving this whole fucking country, this continent back to them. I think it is a huge deal that- oh, yeah. Bro, the pipeline. She has power over the pipelines now, doesn't she? Huh? 
the oh, pipeline. Oh, like oh the yeah, like the Keystone. I didn't, yeah, pipeline, I didn't even think like about that. that. This is a huge thing with environmental injustice when it comes to the native. Oh, dude, like bro, all the oh. oil companies gonna be pissed off as shit. At this her. is gonna. This is. She's a really good pick, honestly. Like, oh, yeah. She, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I mean, uh, just, someone posted a picture yesterday of the three co-chairs of Elizabeth Warren's presidential campaign: Katie Porter, Deb Holland, and Ayanna Presley. I just want to yeah. mention, first of all, all three of them are freshmen. All three of them are freshman members of Congress right now. Um, uh, Katie Porter, in fact, was Elizabeth Warren's law student um, at Harvard. And uh, Ayanna Presley is Elizabeth Warren's congresswoman in Cambridge, I think. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think it's crazy that you know one of them is not going to be Secretary of the Interior. Ayanna Presley could be the next um, senator from Massachusetts. And Katie Porter, I don't know. Like um, California is a big state. There's a lot of qualified uh, women, women of color, to take California Senate seat, but Katie Porter is also a very talented member of Congress as well. So I just think that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, but yeah, no, Porter would be a good realized... Treasury Secretary one day. Just throwing that out there. What's that? Treasury Secretary? Or CFPB or anything, you know? Who, she, yeah, yeah, she, she'd be a good CFPB chair or CFPB head. Katie Porter? Yeah. yeah oh yeah, dude, easily, yeah. Interesting. I mean, she, she like goes viral for, you know, when she like pulls up the whiteboard with the CEOs. And Ooh, stuff. her and the Are whiteboard, name a better duo. Yeah, better exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, but that's Legal. no need to speculate. Wait, did he name a CFPB chair already or no? I don't think so. He wouldn't pick, he wouldn't pick Porter though, because Porter's district is close. Oh yeah, that's true. She just... Did it? She fucking held, it. dude. Katie Porter is a very good example of like swing state or swing district Democrats that are more progressive in their policy. Actually, ended up holding their seats while the ones that were further away from aligning with the working class. Okay, so seat. in the in the group chat, there was a TikTok I sent. Watch that TikTok because it's a bunch of like the like the progressive people, and it's like the rankings of their. Um, is it the district. diagram? It's the chart that Sunrise. It's not. A, it's not a chart. It's not a chart. It's just okay. like it just scrolls through. Like, okay. Because the, 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 there's a diagram numbers. too that actually shows the share of the vote that they got um, on the y-axis and on the x-axis is how um, close to the left and right their ideology was. And it's literally, Katie Porter was farthest to the left and had the highest vote share. Had the highest. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But no, I think I remember there was a, there's a, there's um Nevada, or no, not Nevada, Nebraska too, Kara Eastman. She got really close, uh, both this year and last midterm too. Well, she this year she lost, shit. this year she, she lost by more than Oh, did she? Yeah. Oh, what? So what happened, do you know what happened there? Because Biden won her, her district. Yeah, well, I know exactly what happened there. <laughs> that's what happened when you're <laughs> okay. When your entire like okay, because the Democratic Party aligned its platform with Biden's platform, mm-hmm. as often happens during presidential election years. Like the party platform is the presidential campaign. But yeah. Biden's presidential campaign platform was I will be the one that gets rid of Donald Trump. Not yeah, anything so to do with focus, aligning yeah. with the working class or helping working class yeah. people in marginalized communities. So what happens when that's a party platform and you're going to these yeah. swing districts that, you know, members yeah. of Congress and Senate candidates are not running against Donald Trump, yeah, that's true. lose those seats. 
And I think that is why you see Democrats lose into this is okay. This yeah, is entirely podcast episode. Focused, yeah. But yeah, this is That's literally right. why Florida can pass a fifteen dollar minimum wage law in places where Biden. I heard about that. What the fuck, dude? That should pass with like sixty percent of the vote. It was crazy. And Biden lost Florida, so this is a big deal that I want to point out. Yeah, people want probably. things that help them. They don't care about these weird symbolic victories. <laughs> Which is also why I think it's stupid to call for a House vote on Medicare for all rather than just focus on primary and centrist until they can <laughs> get it passed. Yeah. Okay, anyways, after, uh, okay, let's talk about, um, uh, do you guys want to talk about uh, UN Ambassador nominee uh, Linda Thomas-Greenfield? She'll be the first black she, woman, right? Yeah, she'll be the first black woman to head that position. She was an assistant secretary of state for African-American affairs um, I think she was the director, director general or something of the United States Foreign Service. And she was a ambassador to a different country before, I think. Um, so, yeah. Oh. I guess, well, we didn't talk about Secretary of State, really. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know enough Tony about Secretary of State. All I know is, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's an oldie, right? Like he was, he's an Obama He was guy. a deputy secretary. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. And so, this is another, I think uh, Tony Blinken, I, uh, so he was a deputy secretary of state uh, for Obama and um, he was a deputy national security advisor. And uh, I think he was Biden's national security advisor too. Um, so Tony Blinken uh, is, uh, um, uh, I think it's interesting that he was um, deputy secretary of state when uh, John Kerry was secretary of state because now a lot of America's foreign policy is gonna have to do with energy, climate, environmental policy. And uh, cause that's what our like conversations with the world are gonna have to be about in the next few years to address climate change, especially. So I think it's interesting that him and his former boss, John Kerry, who is now gonna be the presidential envoy for climate uh, are gonna be working together on that. And they would have both held that position of secretary of state. So I just think that's a cool fun fact. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was cool. I just don't have anything else to add. Yeah. I don't know anything about him. I just don't. I uh, should, but I don't. Dude, I'm pretty excited about Deb Holland, bro. I wonder what she's going to do with MPS. I'm so excited about Deb Holland. Dude, Biden really, really pulled out all the. He pulled out a good one with this one. His only good one, besides maybe he's only one choice. Otherwise, he's gonna face it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Can you imagine the if wrath of the whole party? Wasn't Deb Holland? I swear to God. Like, man. Okay. Um. Anyways. Um. But yeah. So. Yeah, I guess there's Tony Blinken, and then um. Uh, the ones that he hasn't announced yet are Secretary of Labor and Secretary of Commerce, Secretary of Veterans, Veterans Affairs, and... No, he did, he did Veterans Affairs. Oh, shit, he De- did? Did you know that Dev yeah. Holland co-sponsored the Green New Deal? Oh, he did Dennis Mc... Uh, Don... 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 <laughs> for, uh, Secretary of Veterans Affairs, huh? Um, yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy. Dev Holland co-sponsored the Green New Deal. That's yeah, huge, bro. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. It's crazy. Yeah, she's a progressive. She was, again, a co-chair of Elizabeth Warren's presidential campaign. And there's a lot of House Democrats that support it. But no, it's very exciting for uh, the person in charge of America's public lands to be a co- an indigenous person who is also a co-sponsor 
of House Resolution 109. What one thing that makes me excited about her is that you know that environmental justice that'll become a thing, you know? Environmental justice, yeah, marginalized communities, like, indigenous people yeah, are gonna, I like, mean, the big like plus. Yeah, just you just look at her her time in the house. Like she's on so many committees dealing with uh, indigenous affairs, um, public lands, and all the bills. If you just go on all the bills that she's co-sponsored. Not That's great. Like she's done a lot of work. She is um, among the first few. Yeah. She's one of the first um, indigenous women to ever be elected to Congress. She was she one that of too, the first yeah. two, right? Her and. Uh, so she, she shows her work, you know, yeah. in Congress just these past what? Two years. Two years. Just two years she's been in Congress, right? So yeah, 2018. Excellent work. That's crazy. Good for her. I'm really excited to see what she does there. And I hope that after four years, she either stays on for the next president or runs for Senate in New Mexico. Um, so yeah, we can't really... Um, oh, and okay, since we're talking about cabinet level officials outside of the cabinet itself, um, uh, so Biden nominated Neera Tandon for director of the Office of Management and Budget. <laughs> so let's talk about this anti-progressive, super like against Bernie and like the left um, and the progressives and democratic socialists and leftists that she's willing to antagonize them more than Republicans. In addition to the fact that she spends half her time on Twitter insulting both the Republican senators that are gonna confirm her and the Democrat that uh, the head Democrat on the committee that has to approve her, Bernie Sanders. I also think that this is, it's kind of frustrating that Biden picked someone that is so critical of Bernie Sanders to go through the committee that he leads on the democratic side. Like that's kind of like a big middle finger to him. And I don't know. Uh, she is, um, yeah, she, she uh, led a think tank that like when they unionized, she shut it down. So she's a union buster. She's anti-progressive. She suggested that we should um, take oil from Syria to like, as a way, like, like, because we deserve it for taking out their leader, you know? Um, yeah, she's not a good choice, and I hope she uh, she does not. Honestly, she probably will. I, I don't think she'll pass her vote. If the Republicans, know, Republicans hate her too. <laughs> like, Girls, what is that? Dude, this is, this is one of the best moments of bipartisanship I've seen in a while. Well, it's great. Oh, hating her? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she I'm will both. pass, because I'm sure that Bernie will kind of just like, okay, fine. But it, it really I don't, dude, that, I like, don't think so, dude. Depending She's on the smoothness of the majority, if one how like like Bernie Sanders is enough to say that like at some point you need to respect. That's true. Uh, <laughs> really one did I'm excited for in um uh, as a cabinet. Well, yeah, of course, Deb Holland, but speaking <laughs> of environment and climate change and things, is my technically boss, um, <laughs> former Secretary of State and Massachusetts <laughs> Senator John Kerry, who's going to be the uh, first ever the old mother trucker. presidential envoy for climate. I'm very excited because this is a new position. Uh, he and I have I been working on his organization, World War Zero, uh, which is... Um, attempting to address climate change on the international stage. So I think that uh, it's really cool that someone that has experience and, uh, and is respected um, 
and has that international experience as Secretary of State and even uh, in the Senate to uh, try to deal with this crisis on the international stage and reaching out to foreign leaders um, to address it is pretty cool. And um, uh, I think it, it's also cool that like when it came to the Bernie Biden um, transition task force or not transition, sorry, uh, uh, unity task forces over summer after Biden dropped out, uh, he worked with Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Sunrise Movement founder Varshini Prakash, and a couple other people uh, on the Climate Change Task Force. So uh, I think he's a really good pick for that role, and I think it's cool that that role is going to exist to begin with, because he's essentially going to be tasked with uh, dealing with the worst crisis the world will ever face, you know? That's, that's yeah. true. Anything and else? again, like, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but climate is looking like it's going to be Biden's big sort of, you know, his big idea, right? Or his big overarching theme, which, you know, intersects with us. Yeah, that's his economic plan too. Creating, which Unionization, is economic right? Theory. Working rights, you know, all that I sort of stuff. I honestly think that if Biden executive ordered half the shit that the Green New Deal calls for, Biden would like cement his place in history, but I know that's not going to happen. Yeah. So. Whatever. But speaking of um, John Kerry, uh, the recent video that I did for him um, on World War Zero, uh, that was kind of a run through of his career talking about his advocacy for climate action over the past however many decades. Uh, that video got retweeted by the next person we're going to talk about, incoming White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain. Isn't that kind of okay, cool? Make... White House Chief of Staff retweeted me a couple Oh, he did? No. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Whatever. I don't care. I mean, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So, no, you uh, care. No, you care. He was, uh, care. He was chief of staff to Biden uh, in the vice president's office um, uh, when Biden was vice president under Obama. Um, his uh, deputy is going to be Jenna Malley Dillon, who, of course, was uh, Biden's campaign manager and a uh, former Carol Roark's campaign manager. What were you going to say? Going back, going back to Ron Klain, that was like the first major, major thing that Biden said he like he was going to appoint. And obviously, being his chief of staff, that's, he's going to have the most direct contact with Biden. So signaling that, I, I remember just across Twitter and just across like the political verse, it was kind of that first step towards like, I guess you could say normalcy in a way when it comes to pres presidential transitions. You know, yeah. Yeah, and like you know, even like AOC, AOC praised him. Yeah, yeah. AOC praised him, right? So, so that was yeah, that was just a sign of returning back away from the Trump admin. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I, was, I was on TikTok. My bad. Okay, um, and then I don't know much about the EPA nominee, Michael Reagan. Um, um one thing I do know, he was from like North Carolina's Environmental Equality Board or whatever, right. and they're saying again, like I think we've. We've, we've sort of talked about this a little bit with a few of the other nominees, but environmental justice. Um, yeah, right. so is there any other cabinet think... nominees that you want? I guess now the only thing left is to speculate if you guys want to speculate for attorney general or labor. Um, okay, labor or commerce? My boy Yang has been floated as a possible pick. I don't think he'll oh. get it. <sighs> and he's not gonna, like he's running for mayor of New York. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think, honestly though, but like, dude, like if he gets that, like he'll, 
he'd be more than happy to take that. Uh, you know? Like, okay. Like, the Democratic Party needs to reward him for this effort. Like, dude, this man is moving to Georgia to support them in the Senate. Which is bad. There's black women who have been organizing there for years and that were responsible for Biden's victory. I don't understand why random men from around the country, (laughs) white people, are colonizing Georgia just to feel like they're being useful in this election. God damn. There are organizers who know the community. I'm sure that people in Georgia don't just want some random like white guy from, I'm not talking about Yang, but some random white guy from Florida to just show up and knock on their door who they know doesn't belong there to tell them to vote for someone that they've been organizing for longer than you've been alive, you know? Like, not you, but like, so that, no, no, no. Like, that's the same thing as like philanthropy and mission trips where it's some bullshit (laughs) activism. Um, not to say, I mean, like, attorney or no. general, though, yeah, attorney general, though. I think Doug Jones, Merrick Garland, I think those are pretty it's one of those two. I yeah. can't really Doug see Jones. anyone else. Doug Jones is a really cool choice because he formerly prosecuted, like, you know, the KKK when he was, mm-hmm. uh, what was he, USDA in, um, like, civil rights, attorney. baby, civil yeah. rights attorney for Northern Alabama. Was he DA or like US attorney? USA? No, he's US attorney. Okay, damn. Yeah. Um, that That's when a law degree comes in, in handy, kids. Yeah. What's interesting is like, remember way back when, when we thought that the talk was going to be about like Kamala Harris as a, an attorney general? She got VP though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. I'd well, say, I'd I could say argue so, yeah. like, uh, not necessarily a little bit better. I guess with Biden's health, um and like age it might be possible that Kamala Harris could be the next president of the United States and there's also the symbolic victory there you know but like um I feel like she would have like been able to do a lot more as attorney general and like she would have been able to that's true she would have been the one literally as she always kept prosecuting. prosecuting the case against Trump, Trump. Um, so. which is what she wanted to do as president. <laughs> I'm sure she'll actually work really close with the Department of Justice as VP uh, I yeah, think so. with, with her yeah like because if all VPs do something like, I'm sure that her yeah. is going to be like heavily tied to the Department of Justice. I don't know. I think Yang's in. Labor, I would have liked Bernie Sanders to be nominated, but you know, uh, Biden's not going to pick him. Republicans wouldn't confirm him, and there's also the risk of the majority there. Although I, I someone said that like that the governor of uh, Vermont said that. Uh, if Bernie was chosen for the cabinet or something, that he would appoint an independent that would caucus with the Democrats, like yeah, someone in too. someone in Bernie's mold. Yeah, yeah, which is like that's a very specific thing for the smallest, second smallest, or whatever state in America. You know, the most whitest one of the most whitest states. Yeah, so quite interesting. That's kind of cool. I guess. Um, yeah. So, so that's uh, Biden's cabinet. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening, you guys. Um, if you wanna if you wanna listen to more, you should listen to more of our podcasts, which you can find here on whatever app you're using to already listen to our podcasts. So, so you're one step ahead. <laughs> yeah, all you gotta do is like click next or whatever the fuck. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I'm a I'm I'm a niche. I'm a Mar. I'm Boston.